0: Warning, the following podcast contains coarse language and spoilers for the film and the title of the podcast.
1: Now playing Movie Reviews in 20 Q's.
0: Hello you goddamn fantastic people and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Q's. The show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. We have a massive episode planned for you guys this week as we have some very special guests. Joining us is Julio and Alex from The Contrarians. How you guys doing?
2: What's happening? What's news? Hello, it was all a lie. That's all I'm gonna say.
1: <laughs> Howdy! Uh, glad to be here. Uh, yeah, uh, a first-time viewer of this movie, so I am very anxious to discuss my feelings. From I think I finished it literally 12 hours ago. I was up till like 3:30 in the morning watching it. So
0: let's let's do it. Oh shit! We bleed for our heart, Alex. That's uh, that's awesome, man. <laughs>
2: It takes 24 hours to process that ending, so I don't know if you're ready.
0: Yeah, yeah that, like I said,
1: there was something in this that really like took me by surprise that I did not know of and that my overreaction may have been just due to sleep deprivation and also uh, <laughs> the several bush
0: lights coursing through the system. <laughs> I feel like we're going to have to do this episode again when uh, you aren't doping or whatever. We have to get, <laughs> get some honest sports here. <laughs> But uh, Julio, you're the one that picked this. This was like a weird suggestion, man. Like Most people was like, hey, do you want to come on the show and do something? Yeah, okay, here we go. Here's my favorite film. Sweet, let's do that. But Julio, you were just like, let's do, let's do The Village. <laughs> really? And you're like, yeah, okay.
2: Well, it was, it was a pretty self-serving pick in the sense that uh, we were in the middle of doing the, our little M. Night Shyamalan arc on our show, and uh, The Village was not part of it. And we were having so much fun going through movies of M. Night Shyamalan's that we hadn't seen in so long, or in some cases, for Alex, like he had never seen. And it was just one of those things where, like, why not just seize the moment and, and before we forget what this feels like? Because we ended up, that arc, kind of kind of high on Shyamalan. We we were both pleasantly surprised by our rewatches of uh, Signs and The Sixth Sense. And uh, The Village is one of those movies that kind of is right there in the middle, mm-hmm. I think, where... Uh, not as far as Rotten Tomatoes. I don't, I don't know what his what its score is, but... As far as people, people's appreciation, a lot of people are going to tell you that the village is where it all went wrong, and a lot of people are going to tell you that the village is great, and uh, I was curious to see where you guys would land, and I was curious to see where I would land all these years later, because I hadn't seen it since it came out, and so thematically, it just felt like it made sense in my life to do it, and I would just drag both of you into it. Thanks. Thanks, Julio. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but also, he just released, uh, you know, a new movie that I haven't seen. and I probably won't watch for a while. Don't. But <laughs> it's called Old. <laughs> I haven't Don't. listened to your episode. I know you did one. Yeah,
0: but. yeah we did. I did an episode where we watched the thing. I also did an episode on Sixth Sense where we watched the thing. So if they want to, if you listeners want to hear my thoughts on that, you can go check that out. If you aren't planning on watching this film, but you want to listen along to our podcast anyway, the basic plot is going to be given to you by whoever's watched it the most recently. And Alex, you've kind of of told us directly that you're the one that watched it the most recently. I mean, I watched this five, six days ago. So Alex, why don't you hit us with a brief plot of the film The Village?
1: uh i'm just gonna (laughs) plagiarize my work right here and just go straight from the google machine uh because my my plot synopsis would get me all over the place uh an amistad community lives cut off from the outside world by the woods in which they believe dangerous creatures exist they have an uneasy truce with the creatures if they stay out of the woods they are left unharmed when one of the young villagers becomes ill the boy who loves her ignores the elders of the village to make a bid to the next town to fetch medicine. And also Bryce Dallas Howard is blind. <laughs> I added that last part. <laughs> I did is not see an that Amish coming. Community?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we know that it's not, but it's, I don't know if you remember the first time you watched it, uh, Sam, but did you think that it was an Amish community or did you just think that this was happening way back in the day?
0: I, I thought it was happening way back in the day and then shit started like not making sense to the point that i was like nah something's going on i mean first of all it's Shyamalan like he can't help but have a twist in the film
1: yeah it's not Amish either they're just based on the wardrobe and like the obviously even just things like facial hair on the men and shit like that so i I, yeah i don't google you let us astray here by saying they're (laughs) Amish style i would think if m Knight was on here with us today he would say the intention was to make it seem like it was you know like crucible era times and shit like that so
0: Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Uh, Scores of this film, 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 43% on Rotten Tomatoes, 4 out of 5 on Common Sense Media. I don't know why that is on there. It's (laughs) normally fucking Metacritic, but anyway. Um, Yeah, so that's the the scores, and we'll get into ours. But uh, first, a little preamble. If you haven't heard this podcast before, what we do is we review a movie by asking 20 questions about it. We start with 10 that can be applied to any film. We then move through three personal questions before finishing on a listener question Or a Patreon question, and uh, a certain Patreon question is going to finish this one. But uh, the one we start with is the compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing good about this film. If we feel positively about it, or if we feel negatively, we give it a shit sandwich, which is one thing bad, one thing good, and one thing bad. Prerequisite being a score over 5,000 out of 10,000, or under 5,000 out of 10,000. And uh, Julio, why don't you lead us off?
2: All right, this is going to be a compliment sandwich. And my first piece of positive bread is... The love story. I think that the the love story between Hooking Phoenix and Bryce Dallas Howard actually works. And that was a big surprise when I was re-watching it. Because in my memory, I and even as I started watching it, it's like the Hooking Phoenix character is so closed off, I'm like there's there's no real chemistry. But then as their interaction developed and it finally built up to that big monologue, his I would say his Oscar clip where he finally expresses his feelings. I'm like I'm into this. <laughs> I, I, I want this to to happen. I want them to succeed. And I'm really bummed that he's going to get knocked off the movie, you know, in a few more scenes. So uh, easily, I think the most romantic thing M. Night Shyamalan has written or directed. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think there's much competition, but even something, exactly. yeah. you know, there's, there's kind of a love story uh, running in the background of The Sixth Sense and also kind of a truncated love story in Unbreakable. So I mean I think that he's dabbled on that angle of storytelling, but this is just off my memory. The the most uh, at the forefront that a romance has been in his movies, and it works really well. Yeah. Uh, the bad is the ending. The contrivance of the ending is just too much. Like I mean we've uh, we've discussed, and this is I mean I think everybody that's talked about Emma Shemelin's career and his twists probably has talked about just how the twists might be surprising when they first happen, but then upon reflection, you start poking holes. And this is an example where the holes are just too big, at least for me. I think that the big reveals make sense until you start thinking about them, and just the mental gymnastics of trying to justify what happens at the end when you know what's really happening. Like To me, the idea that William Hurt will send his blind daughter, who's never experienced the outside world, he will send her in this mission that would be a normal mission for somebody who's used to the real world, but it's a suicide mission to a girl that's never experienced the outside world. Like, it's, yeah. it's a miracle that she doesn't get run over by a car or that she doesn't, you know, she just happens to run into the nicest, most helpful guy. Otherwise, she wouldn't have made it back in time. Like if she had run into the M. Night Shyamalan character instead of the nice ranger, that would be it. She'd be in prison or yeah, yeah. You know, at least in detention until Joaquin Phoenix died. And then my other good thing and I don't know if we're going to have overlap on this, guys, but to me Bryce Dallas Howard is amazing in this movie. And I, I remember at the time it kind of launched her career. But uh, yeah, rewatching it, I think that she's she's great. She's never been better. I don't think she's ever been given the chance to be better than she was in this movie. And uh yeah, she's really good. Um there's a score out of ten thousand suits. I'm gonna go with eight thousand six hundred and fifty eight Jesus suits. Fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on to you Alex, what do you got?
1: Uh, so yeah, it's a positive sandwich and, uh, I'll just go ahead and start off by, cause one of my pieces of bread was what Julio just mentioned. I, I, I don't know of in my circle of friends and people I associate with people who are bigger critics of Bryce Dallas Howard than I am, as I <laughs> consistently refer to her and I'm not the only one, but the poor man's Jessica Chastain. Um, so much so that they had to make Jessica Chastain dye her hair blonde when she was in the help just to, you know, kind of get the, get the shine (laughs) off of her. But, um, I was astonished by how good she was in this. I, I have some foibles with the movie, but she was fantastic in it. So start off with that. The middle of the sandwich that's not so hot is the first act of this movie. I was up until about the half hour mark, man, I was bored as sin. Um... The whole Joaquin introduction, where he comes in like Kid Rock and Joe Dirt, where he can't really read, and he's just like, <laughs> "My mom said." I was like, "Oh man, this is going to be rough." And then again, it's kind of a weird uh, insight to bring to it that you know, for years I had heard the the ending to this movie be lampooned, and so expecting the worst, the first half hour, the first act of this movie was really starting to play into that. So I was like, oh man, this might be as bad as people think. And then um, after the initial kiss between Joaquin and Bryce Dallas Howard, that whole conversation they have about they love each other, that's kind of where the movie took off for me. The other compliment I can give it is that in Julio and I's deep dive into the world of M. Night Shyamalan, we found that dialogue his strong suit, it is not. And (laughs) I thought that with the approach he took to this movie, in crafting the dialogue to be kind of old-timey and to more read like a a play would, I thought it came across in a weird way more natural than when M. (laughs) M. Night tries to write natural dialogue. And so (laughs) yeah,
0: You got a good point there.
1: Yeah. It's not how people talk. So he's able to do more with it, And then, of course, the fact that he's got a a great parade of actors to deliver those lines. It's just one of those things of, uh, you know, the proverbial perfect storm. You take someone who has a kind of a weakness and then you kind of give it this crutch and it turns out to work for the better. So I actually thought uh, the dialogue in this was um, better than it was to be expected.
0: Uh, Is the score 18,000?
1: God, my inkling is go 6969, but I'll be a little bit more mature than that. <laughs>
0: Don't. Uh, <laughs> go do it. Do it.
1: <laughs> uh, let's do 7150.
0: Nice. Uh, time for me. Man.
2: Man, <laughs> is it is, is a shit sandwich coming already? fucking rolling? close. Uh, it, uh, admittedly,
0: I, I started doing my sandwich, and I was like, okay, here's my bad thing. I was like, what's my good things? Fuck. <laughs> Um, but, but you guys are right like I've pretty much got the same as you guys I mean yeah Bryce Ellis Howard amazing great performance as you guys mentioned um, the other good thing is like technically it's there like you know he, he has an amazing ability to pan to create tension to have sort of off centre shots all that sort of shit like you, you can't fault him for just doing this amazing like cinematography and then I saw it was by Roger Deakins Roger Deakins who's like a perennial Oscar favourite for cinematography yeah. and I was like okay well that makes sense that makes fucking sense Uh, the bad thing that i had in the middle as well was that um yes similar to you julio it just the ending falls over itself way too many times like we get way too much exposition i'll talk about that later we also get like william hurt telling her everything that's going on and then like did we see the beast out in the woods and then we have oh you know the uh, we based it on stories around here it's like oh here's the twist they are real oh no they're not real you know and it's just like it's just falling over itself to get to the ending I feel like the other thing we've got to mention is is bloody Adrian Brody's performance of a, a mentally impaired person. It's like, it's so on the nose that, hey, we have a village and here's our village idiot. And I was like, <laughs> 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 really? <laughs> fucking really? So yeah, that was that was it. So I've snuck in two bad things. I've snuck in two good things. Pe- people can make their own sandwich. I'm, I'm basically Subway at this point. You tell me what you want to put on it and there's your fucking sandwich. And, and for that reason, I'm going to give this a score of 5,400. It's just, it's, just Damn, possible. Yeah. it's just possible, but at the same time, I'm never going to watch this movie again. Fuck no.
2: <laughs> this going to be a spicy conversation. It is. It
0: is. Anywho, let's move us over to question number two. First of our Patreon questions comes courtesy of our man, Jason. Okay, Nerdrovert. Uh, what's this question there, Julio?
2: Uh, nerdrovert asks, at what point during the movie was the best time for a bathroom break? Uh, I would say the wedding. Which, I mean, it's entertaining enough, but there's a lot of dancing and there's a lot of just kind of uh, inconsequential interactions. You can walk away when uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is hugging uh, Judy Greer and her husband is like, is she going to hug me that way? Because I want her to wrinkle my suit and so (laughs) on. Like, it's you can go to the bathroom. I'm assuming you're just going for a quick visit. You're not going to, you know camp in the bathroom for 20 minutes because then you're going to miss a big deal of movie but yeah the wedding that's my answer
0: well well, maybe Alex wants to do that maybe he wants to camp in the bathroom for the first half an hour of this film (laughs) 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 yeah
1: it's um you can take your time getting your refreshments you know you don't have to necessarily get in there right away (laughs) to make sure you got you got your refreshments you've gone to the bathroom your your tank is empty uh otherwise what Julio said yeah you can take a quick reprieve but um you want to make sure you don't really miss much after the first half hour.
0: Yeah, see, I actually went for the ending. I went for the part where William Hurt takes her into the shed and explains everything to her. I think if you didn't know that and you came out and you suddenly had this red creature trying to kill her and you didn't know, you know what I mean? And then it suddenly turned out to be Adrian Brody. You'd be like, whoa, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and it would be, it'd be more of a show-don't-tell type situation. I reckon that would actually make the ending a hell of a lot better. Yeah.
2: I'm a lot more confusing. Oh yeah, absolutely! <laughs> but fucking who cares? Confuse me, I love yeah, it. Okay, like, I I thought I thought the spirit of the question was for you to still have an okay experience with the movie, not to completely re-edit the experience.
0: Oh, I love subverting questions on the show. So that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> I was gonna say Sam
1: didn't like the quick uh, detour to the wardrobe closet that that scene was.
0: <laughs> no it's way too reminiscent of the number of times i've been dragged in a wardrobe closet and there's some dude with a massive animal suit hanging out there it's fucking weird
2: and <laughs> <laughs> he tells you don't scream yeah. try not to scream yeah try, not, try to sk- yeah.
0: not to scream yeah touch the nerve question three what is it there alex
1: um what completely unimportant life lesson did you learn yeah. from this
0: film i'm gonna go that if you're bored in a village the most awesome game that you can come up with would be giving the mentally challenged guy a stick and letting him whack you with it. <laughs> they're literally standing around, watching it like it's the fucking gladiatorial combat of ancient Rome, where they're just watching this guy, Adrian Brody with a stick, just whacking people. And they're all laughing and thinking it's a great, great time. What the fuck? But then he gets in
2: trouble for it. Oh, he does.
0: <laughs> That's true. He does get in trouble for it.
2: So it's kind of an illegal activity. Yeah. It's not even... An underground... Except really f- <laughs> <laughs> An underground <laughs>
0: stick-slapping ring. <laughs> we don't have Fight Club, we've got Stick Club. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, my uh, unimportant life lesson, and it's it's as shallow, as superficial as it can get, I realized that I prefer Bryce Dallas Howard's look with this hairstyle. I... I, I like I said, it's very superficial. I find her really attractive in this movie. And it's not that she's not attractive in other movies, but the such a huge difference, because I, I can't think of another movie where she has this hairstyle, which is kind of wavy and short, and in all her other movies, she has, like, long, straight hair. And I'm like, she's pretty, but not for me. And here, I'm like, she's pretty, and I'll fight Hooking Phoenix for her. Whoa! So,
1: <laughs> Good on you, Julio. So there's that. Uh, for me, it's that if you have a safe containing extreme secrets or documents that could... <laughs> completely collapse the, a society that you've created don't leave that safe out where everyone in your house can see it and wonder what's in it i think that's a pretty simple message because that joaquin's just like what's in your box of secrets it's a weaver oh that nothing she didn't even put a fucking quilt over it it was just there
0: she makes it worse yeah she makes it worse she just she makes gonna, it fucking yeah. worse like at least the other couple had hidden one under the floorboards you know or hidden the suit under the floorboards like, at least they knew you hide it out of sight. You don't fucking hide and play in plain sight. Fucking bullshit. Question number four. Uh, this one is... Uh, uh, this is one of our usual questions now, but I mean, it's very topical for this one. So, a la Sixth Sense, what character could have been dead to the whole time and no one knew?
2: Okay, so this is, this is why this is appropriate. And I don't know if you guys had the same experience, but it took me almost the entire movie to realize that William Hurt had a wife.
0: My answer is, well... My answer is, no, but you
2: go on, yeah. Like, I I thought that I'd misheard, because at some point, uh, Bryce Bryce Alice Howard, who's uh, William Hurt's daughter, she tells Joaquin Phoenix, I heard my parents talk about you. And I'm like, oh, so he has a wife? But then there's this whole subplot throughout the movie about how he is in love with Sigourney Weaver. And so, to me, it never felt like it was the story of a man trapped in a loveless marriage yearning for, you know, his fellow neighbor. And, uh, and the fact that you never see the mom interacting like having any serious interaction with, uh, with Bryce Dallas Howard. So I thought he was a widower and, uh, but then towards the end of the movie, there's something, there's a moment where you see him with, I guess, a woman, that's his wife and, uh, <laughs> he has a wife. She just has zero impact. <laughs> in the movie. She
0: does like she's sitting there on the council. And I think there's that bit where he does the big speech about how he's going to let her go and Brendan Gleeson sort of challenges him about it and all that sort of shit. And so I was the same as you, man. So I'll just jump in here to Alex. And I was like, I was thinking if he's so struck in by grief that he still sees her in these places that she used to be. And that's the reason why he doesn't want to sleep with Sigourney Weaver because he doesn't want the third person watching him. You know, like his wife just go, what the fuck are you doing? You fucking asshole. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. Yeah, that's a, the clean sweep on
1: this one. That was the only explicable reason that he would turn down an advance from Sigourney Weaver, <laughs> that any man would turn down an advance from Sigourney Weaver. Uh, I really wanted to say Jesse Eisenberg, because um, I was really hoping he was only just in that first shot. But no, there was that scene where he was interacting with the other local boys, uh, the young men in the town. So. uh could not answer. I think his character's name was Jameson, but clean sweep on this one. William Hurt's wife steals the show as far as the dead person. Awesome, <laughs>
0: awesome. absolutely.
1: Uh, question number five was it a Julio? Uh,
2: number five is what deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film?
1: To me, it's the the idea of you know Socrates' noble lie. The is what you're telling dishonest, but with not only the intention of it being the result being better for someone, but also it actually being better for someone in the end. Mm. And um, just watching this, obviously never to the extent of building a fictional society, but just the, uh, the, the question of uh, shielding children, uh, shielding people you love from things with the intention of it being better for them. You know, where, where do you draw the line with that type of thing?
0: It's a good one. I do have a question on that later that we can uh, do have a little deeper on to that. The um, the one for me, though, was like, if I was a billionaire, would I move my family and friends into the middle of the woods? Or, or, or would I pick, I don't know, building a luxury fucking resort on a deserted island <laughs> <laughs> or, or just taking them anywhere, like a gated community? You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to go and create this giant... Fucking fictional story. And it's one of those things like the more lies you tell, the harder it is to keep everything, you know, together and shit like that. You know, and like, he's a billionaire. So you could buy a fucking New Zealand worth. five times over if you're a billionaire.
2: <laughs> My, mine was, uh, had, was a little more meta in the sense that I just found myself. I was under the spell of this movie from the beginning. And uh, it made me second guess as it happened when we were watching The Sixth Sense and when we watched uh, Signs and... Uh, it just kind of made me second guess everything that I had come to believe throughout the past few years. You know, it's like I watched The Village once, and then the years went by, and it, this idea of what The Village was, like, the movie, was like uh, uh, just cemented in my head. And then it shook my confidence when it comes to give you an appreciation of a movie, because I, I just started wondering, you know, maybe I should watch every movie twice before I open my mouth about them. <laughs> like, it's really... You know to really soak it up, but then eventually I talked myself out of it because I'm like, you know, some movies just don't make you want to rewatch them. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I believe that this movie is better than a rewatch. I don't know if you guys agree. No. well Alex wouldn't know. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. for me, it was like what? <laughs> sure. <laughs> for me, it was like it was like once I knew the twist, I was just being the whole time going, oh well, this is all bullshit.
2: I think that in this case, it's not so much the twist of like, oh, it was modern times or whatever. It's the, the midpoint twist, which to me has always been the, the real twist of the village, which is that Joaquin Phoenix is not the protagonist. Mm, yeah. And knowing that he was going to get stabbed and basically just put in a coma halfway through the movie made those scenes between him and, and Bryce Ellis Howard even more poignant. Because I knew that we were heading towards tragedy because he finally expressed his love and all that. So uh, that, that made the movie, the beginning of the movie, more powerful for me. Mm. Yep, fair enough cool Uh um, this
0: is over to question number six another patreon question this question comes to of our man Chris Yeney. ah he's fuck you, the man Chris anyway what's his uh what's his question there Alex what song would
1: you have put into this movie and in what scene and parenthetically let's try to be as on the nose
0: as possible gentlemen um yeah I mean this is the most on the nose answer that I could possibly think of are you guys familiar with the kid song the teddy bears picnic no.
2: Does it, get, does it get really bloody? Is it one no, of
0: No, 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 no. But the opening lyrics are if you go down in the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. If you go down in the woods today, you'd better go in disguise. It's, yeah. And uh, basically, when she's just walking through the forest, if she started singing that to herself, I would have been like, yep, that's Shyamalan. Yep, that's Shyamalan. <laughs>
2: uh, on my end, uh, the scene after when she finally finds Hookings. Uh, body after he's been stabbed. and He's just been bleeding out for who knows how long. And uh, she tries to wake him up, and then William Hurt comes running, everybody, and she's like, I can't see his color. And then I would have uh, Counting Crows' colorblind like, come on. <laughs> you know, she just she finally went colorblind.
0: no that's a good answer, Julio. That's, <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, for me,
1: it's more of a metaphorical approach to it. Um, But during the sequence, basically as Bryce Dallas Howard drops or uh, pours out the magic stones and she's on her own there on the trail to the towns, uh, I would have uh, Tracy Chapman's fast car start playing. Uh, Because, you know, the the lyrics uh, just cross the border and into the city. You and I can both get jobs and finally what it finally see what it means to be living. So, you know, it's. Again, it's a bit more metaphorical because clearly she's not driving a car. But, I, man, I'm just thinking about it now. You could even piece together the trailer from
0: that and just, you know, chef's kiss. That's awesome, Alex. That totally works. Um, this is over to question number seven. What was the most preposterously insane part of this film?
2: Uh, so to me, and I, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but the idea that William Hurt would send Bryce Ellis Howard into this suicide mission it's crazy. I, I don't understand what the logic was. Like, he, he acts like he's not sending her out to die. He, and I agree that she's proven to be very capable. And out of everybody in that village, she's probably the best choice. Uh, you know, it would have been between her and Hawking Phoenix, I think, as far as the most resourceful people to go out and experience the, the, the unknown. But he doesn't give her anything. Like, even uh, Alex, earlier you mentioned that he gives her the truth. He gives her the partial truth. He tells her that they're behind the monsters, but he doesn't tell her that there's, like, a whole world of technology and cars and everything oh, yeah. waiting for her out there. So it seems mean to begin with, but especially when it comes from <laughs> his yeah. her father. It's just... How does he justify that to himself? And I don't care that he took an oath. I don't care that <laughs> if yeah, you're breaking yeah. it anyway, just go all in.
0: Exactly, like they're breaking it, and they didn't. He didn't even tell um, what's his name, Michael Pitt. You know, the other guy that like hung around with her like half the journey or whatever, and then was just like, oh, I'm gonna go now as well. You know, like at least tell that guy as well. Like send, <laughs> right. um, I'll, I'll talk about it in a second. Uh, what, what was yours, Alex? To
1: me, the part that, and this is from like a guttural, genuine level. So. I was already kind of like, whoa, when Adrian Brody stabbed Joaquin Phoenix, because I obviously I didn't know that was coming. That that was not part of the twist that I knew. And so I was like, oh, shit. And then Joaquin takes this hell of a bump that I rewound three times to watch because I just wanted to verify it was him doing it. His head, like, bounces off the floor and shit. Uh, But anyway, that's not the part. The part is Adrian Brody goes to leave, and then he comes back in, and then, like, tomahawk style, comes over the top with the knife into Joaquin Phoenix. And I like audibly yelled at the TV as like, whoa, because, he, you know, it's extremely violent for a PG-13 rated movie. Like, even if you know the twist going into it like I did, you're not conditioned to see that. That's an act of intense, brutal violence with the intent of, intent of like homicide. And so that, like, to me, I was just my mind was blown at that point in time.
0: Uh, I agree. Like he, we've gone from crime of passion of like stabbing him and then running away to just fucking straight desecrating the corpse. <laughs> he was like
1: yes, yes, and he's like he's kind of laughing while he's doing. It's just so disturbing. I think you know at the risk of you know kind of jeopardizing what we talked about with his character and his portrayal earlier. That's the part that it, it all comes together because he's just in this deranged mode of you know kill, and so yeah, that that to me, I was not ready. I was
0: not for that. Yep, fair enough. The the one for me sort of followed on from basically what Julio was saying that these village ranger stations have every single fucking piece of medicine that you could imagine <laughs> from fucking way to go. But then that she she could make it all the way there and make it all the way back. Like they see it's a like a half day journey. Like honestly, like fuck if this film had just ended on a On a title card of three months later, and there's her corpse just like in the middle of nowhere (laughs) being pestered by animals. I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, she's incredibly handy capable. Don't get me wrong. Very capable. But like, he's basically said to her, hey, follow the stream and then follow this road and you'll be sweet. You know, it's like, how do I come back from that? (laughs) Fuck. Uh moves us over to question number eight. Uh also a Patreon question comes kid to courtesy of Our man Dan Brennick of Netflix and Swill, an awesome podcast that covers everything Netflix related. Uh what's the question there? Julio.
2: Question is, what character is the true MVP of this film?
1: I'm not gonna repeat myself too many times, but it's definitely Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, for like the reasons I've already laid out and um she is definitely the glue that holds the movie together and her performance is the best thing I've ever seen come from her. So BDH all the way.
0: Fair enough. Uh, you've stolen my thunder a little bit. Alex, I was going to say it's a toss up between Joaquin Phoenix saying no to Judy Greer, throwing herself at him or William Hurt turning down Sigourney Weaver. Holy shit. That takes some, I was going to say balls of steel, but probably non-existent balls to turn down Sigourney Weaver.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Jesus. Uh See, I, I went away from, from the obvious picks because I figure I'm, I'm already... I'm talking about Bryce Ellis Howard so much in this episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some love to uh, a minor character. And I went with Brendan Gleeson. Yes! who uh, He's very low-key, doesn't really get many moments. But at that, that climatic meeting between the elders where William Hurt is saying, like, listen, I center, And these are my reasons. And then everybody around him is just shaking their heads. And then Brendan Gleason very calmly goes, you know, he has a little speech that basically amounts to saying, fuck it, we had a good run. Whatever happens, happens.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that he just would just resign himself to, it. yeah, it was fun while it lasted. It was just
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let her, let her, if she has the power to bring down this, this big lie we've concocted, so be it. So be <laughs> it. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. To quote
2: uh, a recent movie, uh, Alex and I did. <laughs> that should have been that should have been my pick for a on the nose song. Yes.
0: Oh, that would have been perfect. Anywho, question number nine. What is it, Alex?
1: Question number nine is: What character just clearly needs to get laid?
0: I tried to stray away from the obvious answer because there's a very obvious answer we probably all have it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Uh, the the other one I went for was the guy I mentioned was Michael Pitt's character, the dude that's spending his nights sitting up in a fucking guard tower, watching out for red creatures, and like that's, that's his entire existence, and then helping her out. I don't know. I feel sorry for him. Maybe he's getting laid by himself, but he needs to get properly laid, I think. His uh, name is
1: Finton. Yeah, it's going to be a hard time getting laid with that. I don't, <laughs> anyone he- yelling that name out at the height of passion.
2: Uh, I-, I realize there's two obvious choices. Maybe three. But uh, I-, I just went with the first one that came to mind, which is William Hurt, who's hmm. pining for another woman. He's married. Obviously not happily, but not so unhappily that he would just have a clean break and go off with Sigourney Weaver, who clearly is, is okay with the idea of hooking up with him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, William Hurt, I think that maybe this movie would go in a completely different direction if he was not so preoccupied with uh, desiring Sigourney Weaver, because then maybe he would have a clearer head and he'd be able to fully commit to the cause But in this case, because he has the hots for Sigourney Weaver and Sigourney Weaver's son's life is in the balance. You know, I think that that tips the scales in the end. I mean, clearly it does, because there's a a whole scene devoted to to that rationalization. So I'm going with William Hurt.
0: Fair enough.
1: And I'm going on the other side of that equation with Alice, uh, Sigourney Weaver, because they have (laughs) founded this village just based on... Uh, pure morals and principles and she is yet still so horny that she attempts to move in on a married dude she tries to kiss him and he has to turn away from her she needs it Alice needs it and she needs it now mommy's making a salad and she needs it
0: but absolutely and the craziest part is like like they've got nothing to do she would be best friends with his wife you know what I mean? Like she would be <laughs> Oh yeah. She would know everything about his wife. They've been through so much together and she's still like oh no, I fucking need to get smashed.
2: God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did either of you consider Judy Greer at Absolutely. some point? She was okay. she was
0: too yeah. obvious, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean I guess that during the second half of the movie, after she got married, she's probably hopefully getting laid.
0: Yeah, yeah. that was that was the only thing that tipped it in the favour was the fact that we saw her at her wedding and how happy she was. I was like, Yep, she's she's uh, consummated her marriage.
1: The night before we old timey village an old-timey village that presumably has no form of contraception, they only have like (laughs)
0: six kids there running around. Just like, hey, what's up? I think Joaquin Phoenix is the contraception. (laughs) 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 Anywho, uh, moves us down to the final question that can be applied to any film. This question comes courtesy of our man Nick Haskins of Nikolai's Kitchen, formerly of Epic Film Guys as well uh go check him out he's got an awesome cooking podcast stacy's going to be on soon i say that every episode one day it might actually happen <laughs> um uh, anyway his question is what type of meal
2: is this film pretty proud of this answer this movie is your last visit to a beloved restaurant before it closes <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be more specific, I guess it's not like the M.Dye Shyamalan restaurant closed down after the village, but there was certainly a change in management to maybe they sold out, they became a franchise or something, but it just something went missing after, after this movie came out. And I think that applies even if you don't like it as much as, you know, Alex or I do. Uh, but it's, it's perfect too because, you know, your last visit to a restaurant you love, if you know it's closing, you want it to be great. But more yeah. than likely, it's not going to be as great as other times you've been to that restaurant. So the village is not the sixth sense. It's not unbreakable. It's not science. But it's still, you know, a bittersweet moment, a bittersweet event. And from then on, just it all goes downhill.
0: Oh, I like that is a great answer, Julio. Like for me, I'm just picturing going to that restaurant and being like, cool, I want to get my like, favorite fucking burrito or something like that. And they're just like. Well, we're actually out of ingredients, so if you have a look at the menu, there's like three (laughs) common things that are in every one of these meals that, you know, so you can have those if you want, but there's nothing special, and you're like, okay. (laughs) 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 Fucking just get whatever you got. Just give me whatever you got. I'm sure I'll enjoy it, and I'll fucking fuck out of here and never come back again. Yeah,
1: yeah. for me, the village is a – I wouldn't say mediocre, but a – just kind of a – uh, a slightly above average steakhouse experience, uh, it, whereas you go in and the rolls and the appetizers, you know, you get kind of a shrimp cocktail that's just kind of like, man, this this is a couple days old.
0: <laughs> you know, this
1: cocktail sauce, the horseradish isn't fresh here, and so the appetizers are just kind of like, Meh. but then the steak comes and it's holy shit, this is perfectly cooked. You know, I don't even need to put any steak sauce on this. The seasonings excellent. The mashed potatoes. And the the collard greens on the side are just wonderful. And then you're full and you're feeling good and then Yeah, let's let's get the dessert to come on out here. And then the brownie, you know, is a little stale and the ice cream's a bit too melted. And so it's just you, you peeked at the steak is basically the type of meal this movie is.
0: That's a great answer as well. I don't even want to give mine now. You guys fucking knocked it out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas like mine's just kept the and I was like it's just it's just a Sunday roast. It's just, like, meat and three vegetables, you know? It's just, like, bog-standard, <laughs> sort of old-timey meal. Hasn't changed since the 1800s. Motherfuckers back then <laughs> were eating it then. They're still eating it now. I'm like, yeah, it's just that. It's just that. Anywho, uh, that moves us over to our personal questions. First up, Alex. What do you got there, Alex? Um, so, the, as
1: I mentioned earlier, it's this... I find it endlessly funny to compare Bryce Ellis Howard to Jessica Chastain. So, The Village... How would this movie have fared if we have replaced Bryce Dallas Howard with Jessica Chastain?
0: Look, as the husband of a ginger wife, I do have a level of pedigree when it comes to assessing and picking redheads. So, massive fan <laughs> of the Chastain. I, I honestly reckon would have probably bumped that up by a thousand or two thousand. Like As much as Bryce Dallas Howard gives a great performance, yeah, something about Chastain is just a little bit better.
2: I, I disagree. I, and I love Jessica Chastain, but I think that I, at least in every movie that I've seen her, I've never seen her be as vulnerable as Bryce Dallas Howard is in this. So I think that that would change the character. I, on, honestly, I think that success-wise, it would probably Are be you the telling
1: same. me that you didn't find Murph to be vulnerable?
2: Don't let me leave, Murph! <laughs> Come man. on, Come <laughs> on. I saw McConaughey be vulnerable. Murph <laughs> is just kind of a badass. Uh, I mean, they're both. like Bryce Dallas Howard in this movie, in The Village, is a badass as well but I think that so much of what she does is, uh, has this veil of innocence because she doesn't really know the world the way that we do. And, and she's doing so much also with the, under the influence of her love for King Phoenix and so on. And when I think of uh, Jessica Chastain, I just think of somebody that's more, more seasoned, you know, more experienced in the ways of the world. And I think that that would change the movie. I don't think it would make it better or worse though. And I think that as far as its reception, I think that the people that hated the village would hate it whether it was Jessica Chastain or Bryce Dallas Howard playing the character, and the people that love it would do the same. You would just kind of have a, maybe a different perception of the character.
1: Yeah, uh, I in truth I wrote this question before I actually watched the movie, and I, you know I had to, I had to get my little joke in about this. And I thought Bryce Dallas Howard was so great in this, and completely um, admitting and accepting that Jessica Chastain would. Uh, there's that line from Modern Family about how good Meryl Streep is, and I can use it to Jessica Chastain. You could cast Jessica Chastain as Batman, and she would be the right choice. <laughs> so she she's just a fantastic, fantastic actress. But you know, the stars align for uh, Bryce Dallas on this one. Yeah. All right, moving along to my second question: As a boy, a young man, a grown man, an adult, would it have been harder to grow up? with Sigourney Weaver or Tony Collette as your mom. I'm using, you know, the, the M Night Shyamalan hot moms category here. <laughs> so, who would have been more difficult to have as your mom growing up as a boy?
0: Uh Sigourney Weaver. Definitely Sigourney Weaver. If we're going based on her in this film, I mean you're growing up with a mom who's just wants the bone, who doesn't really give a shit about you or <laughs> or fucking anything that you have to do with anything. So you just be like you know, I'm not a I'm not a boring mom. I'm a fun mom. She would be that. She would be that. Hey send your mates over. Send your mates over. <laughs> but I'm going to fucking stick practice. Yeah, send your mates over. It's
2: fine. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I, I have a higher opinion of Sigourney Weaver as a mom <laughs> than you in this movie, but not by much. I mean, I think that when you put her against Tony Collette in the sixth sense, Tony Collette wins. She is Tony Collette is ride or die when it comes to call in, in the sixth sense. Shit, yeah, she won't yeah. put up with anybody saying anything even remotely uh, demeaning about her son where on the other hand sigourney weaver her son is dying and she's not going up to the elder saying like hey can we break the oath can we go get him medicine she's just waiting there <laughs> kind of like debate not even debating we never even see her having a crisis of conscience no. about, you know what should happen it's william hurt who brings it up and then she goes like thank you that's a good idea <laughs> So yeah, I think that it would be harder to grow up with Sigourney Weaver because she would pretty much let you die.
0: Sort of the M Night Shyamalan I mean, thought process: a is like, okay, so this woman's son is dying. Okay, that would probably make me horny. So I'm going to write this character as horny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> with either character, you you know, or with either mom in this situation, Tony Collette or Sigourney Weaver, you can expect a sellout at the pool party. All your friends <laughs> and their dads are going to be there. But shit, yeah, uh, based on the characters we're talking about your fr- either way, your friends are going to try to catch them in the shower, but they're going to be <laughs> way more scared of Tony Collette. Uh, so I think, you know, having Sigourney Weaver would be difficult because she's just so damn motherly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then lastly, and this of course is a difficult question to answer because you can't really put yourself in the situation of being stuck in Covington, but uh, you know, in a situation like that, if you are in Covington and you figure out that there's a whole outside world, what would be the first thing you would want to do after you left?
0: I suppose the hardest thing is like you've got to imagine coming out of there and not knowing about anything. So it's like, like the first thing for me was like, yeah, fuck you. I'll go to an ice hockey game and I'll fucking get on the piss and all this other shit. I'm like, who? Who am I going to do that with? How do I know about these things? Like, you, you can't do that. So <laughs> I tried to strip it back and I reckon having a shower because these people probably fucking stink like they probably (laughs) fucking reek every single one of them. So having a nice shower and then just like sleeping in nice sheets and then just paving over my entire insides with fried chicken. Fuck yeah. That that is the first (laughs) thing I'll do.
2: Uh, Yeah, I was, I was kind of having trouble doing what you did, Sam, just like scaling back to where it would make sense. Cause you're right. You come out of Covington and You just don't know what you're missing. So therefore, how do you even pick? You know, you would have to find somebody basically and go, hey, I'm new to this planet. (laughs) What should be my my first step? And honestly, I would hope that after getting sort of like a summary of, you know, what the planet is like, I would say, all right, get me one of those tablets, because I think that a tablet, whether it's an iPad or a a Kindle Fire or whatever, gives you access to basically the rest of the world. In a safe way, to where you can experience everything remotely, and then make your decisions about what you want to go and experience in person. So, you know, I can you can check out video games, you can check out movies, you can check out porn, you can (laughs) do your research on Wikipedia. That was on my list. (laughs) Spend a couple weeks with your with your tablet, and then you can just go out and and kind of try some stuff out
0: i'm just imagining a young fresh-faced holio just walking up to some guy on the street and being like hello i'm new to society i don't know anything what's going on and just half an hour later holio is just standing on the corner saying hey apparently if you give me hundred dollars you can sleep with me that sounds fun <laughs> just holio pumped out within an hour of being introduced to society and happy about it yeah it's stoked you stoked don't know what money is you don't need to give me that <laughs>
1: Uh, and similar to both y'all. Yeah. Just trying to try to put myself in the mindset of what I would have to work with at that point in time. And, uh, Sam hit my nail on the head. That sounded awful. Uh, (laughs) Sam got, (laughs) Sam got to the point I was going to get to of something, you know, is food. And the first thing you're going to try to do is like, okay, well, what kind of food do y'all have? What, What kind of food can I get here? And so that would be what I would do first. It, it helps that I'm a fat guy talking about that. It makes the point better. But it's um, I can only imagine what the fuck Bryce Dallas Howard had eaten up until that point in her life is just all boiled shit. Yeah. It's just boiled potatoes and boiled meat, and you know maybe some greens mixed in. But um, food and then uh, clothing probably would be my next indulgence because obviously she can't see. But one of these people is going to be, and they're going to be like, what is that? That bomber jacket you have on here, Kevin. <laughs> Let me get one of those. That looks comfy.
0: Yep, absolutely. Oh, uh, that moves me over to my questions. First up, yeah, Alex sort of t- touched on this earlier. Is it ethically okay to raise kids in a place like this and just scare them into going nowhere?
2: As soon as I read this, I started thinking. It's like I don't have kids. I'll never have kids. I have four cats and a dog though, and my cats are all inside cats. They don't go outside. And I just thought, well, that's exactly what I do with my cats. I, they don't leave because the outside world is too scary. It's too, like, you know, there's so many things that can happen to them and they don't really know any better. And, uh, as far as they know out there, there's just monsters. (laughs) Uh, one of my cats once kind of like ran out. This was years ago. Ran out the front door and it happened at the same time as a train was passing by. We have a train that... Oh. I know. And the, the sound of the train freaked him out and he ran back in. So he's safe. He just had the, the Bryce Dallas Hour experience where he's like, he went out there and had a big scare. And now he's, he's happy living in the village again. Uh, but if we're talking about human kids, uh, yeah, it's probably not cool. You should probably raise them properly because you're not, you know, William Hurt says him it at some point. And he's like, we're not going to live forever. And are you really going to trust them to perpetuate this onto their kids? You know, I, I think that it's not a, uh, what do you call it? A self-sustaining system. Mm. So yeah, no, I don't think it's a good idea.
0: I'm just going to point out the reason why I asked this is I lie to my daughter all the time now. So <laughs> what about you, Alex? I, the world sucks, dude. Yeah. Like, you
1: know, I I, I don't want to get too deep into this because I don't know if the village warrants a discussion of this philosophical level. But <laughs> it's uh, I don't have kids and I've thought about that. And especially here in America, l- listening, just briefly trying to get to, too deep into it. But uh, a podcast between two gentlemen that uh, have had kids in the past few years that are old enough and like cognizant. And with this year being the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Their kids coming home and asking them, hey, what's 9-11? And just thinking about being in that situation and what you would want to explain to them. And so, you know, the noble lie does have some merit, uh, especially with children. And, you know, you don't there's you can so easily overload young people's minds. And so I can understand the idea of wanting not to shield someone, but protect them from the shit that is the world that we live in in this day and age. Doing it in this fashion is not the healthiest way to do it. Fuck um, Completely, yeah, <laughs> completely lying about the, the world that l- resides uh, outside you. It's a much different thing to instill, follow the straight path, be good, be nice to people, be nice to yourself. Is a lot different than saying, if you cross this line, this giant red creature with fangs will kill you. <laughs> and so... I think there is merit to protecting a child's mind and protecting a child from some of the evils of the world as long as you can. Uh, I do not think it's healthy uh, or ethical to create a fake society to do that, though. No,
0: absolutely. It was funny also, because when I was coming up with the questions I asked Stacey about this, I was like, what do you reckon? Like, do you reckon it's ethical? And she's like, well, if the other choice is America, they're near probably. <laughs> 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 okay, yep. Uh next question yeah we mentioned Judy Greer's um character basically approaches her dad William Hurt and sort of like I'm in love I'm in love I'm in love, in love blah 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 blah, and starts ranting on I want to know if you guys if you would you guys be cool with your daughter coming up to you and saying hey I basically want to flash my gash at this guy <laughs> and what do you reckon like I you know I'm keen as fuck on him and when I was writing this I was like okay if it was Joaquin Phoenix that's something else but what I know uh, what about Lucius what about Lucius as a character
2: well, I think that uh, given what the movie has shown us, he is kind of a catch on that village. He, uh, yes. he, may, he may be kind of quiet, but he, he's independent. He, he seems to be kind of a little ahead of all the other guys as far as maturity goes. And uh, we know that he's brave, the, you know, because he, he holds the record on that game where, you know, where they test how scared they are of the forest. So in that sense, I would encourage my daughter. I'd be like, that's a, that's a catch. Go, go for it. Interesting, but I would also warn her. But like, he's probably gonna say no because that kid. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess according to the movie, William Hurt was not aware that Hooking Phoenix had the hots for his other daughter. Because mm. uh, if he was, then that's really cruel that he just let Judy Greer go. You know, make that mistake. But even even so, even not knowing that, I'd be like, that kid. He's great, but he's also I don't know. He th- I, if he hasn't shown you any interest, uh, this might not be the the best approach. Maybe just ask him out. Ask him out for a walk. Yeah. Take it easy. Let's go from there.
0: He's definitely in like the top 20 dudes there. So yeah, he's probably a kid. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, in this situation,
1: obviously if it was Joaquin Phoenix and it was my daughter now, I'd be like, yes, he's rich. Take it. uh, (laughs) Give me money. (laughs) Given Lucius, I think if I was William Hurt and I know what I know, I would see he's one of the sharpest guys there just like julio said he he's starting to realize that you know these walls are completely fictional so if i was in a position of wanting the best for my daughter i think i'd be okay with it yeah if she led with like yo i'm ready to get dick down i'd be like (laughs) all right well let's bring it back a few steps but um I, i would be in favor
0: of the the scenario fair enough fair enough I, I, you have
2: a daughter, Sam, so you have a very specific perspective, I think. Yeah. This question.
0: Oh, I don't want it going anywhere near anyone. Like anyone at all. So. <laughs> I'm that dad. I'm that fucking asshole dad. Um similar to you, Julio. I thought he knows. He knows that Waikki Phoenix's character is such a loner, like loser type that doesn't or you know, just a just a loner really. That he knows that he's gonna send her there and just have her heart crushed. And it's better to get that, you know, like pull off the band-aid, like have her heart crushed, and have her just <laughs> Um, like with what within a day she's marrying someone else like fucking hell. <laughs> moving on quickly but yeah I, I i can see that i can see you did it on purpose um final question for you guys i mean sort of danced around this a little bit but how quickly after the events of this film do you guys reckon society in the village collapsed or fell apart
2: so to me there's there's two ways that this happens and in both instances it's it, it doesn't take long one is that uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, I believe that Bryce Dallas Howard can keep a secret from everyone except Joaquin Phoenix. I think that yep. they have such a strong connection that soon after he's healed and he's ready to, you know, I imagine she'll be like, he's ready for the truth, she's going to tell him. And while she tells him, that's it, because Joaquin is not going to stop. You know, he's just, when I go out, he'll want to go explore the world. And, and then once that happens, everything collapses. Yeah. So that's, that's one scenario. But then the other one, which is just as likely, is that that ranger that she interacted with, he seemed like he was smitten with her. He, now, he knows there are people living in there. He doesn't know how many, but he knows that Bryce Ellis Howard lives somewhere in there. And he has all the technology, yeah, so he can easily just cross the border the other way, go looking for her, and then show up at, at the village. And
0: find Adrian Brody's dead body <laughs> along the way. Yes. <laughs> His body will be the scarecrow, basically. Just fucking like,
2: well, I'm not coming in here. Fuck that. Uh, but yeah, he show up with his technology and then how do the elders explain this? You know, and then and, and I think it's over.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah, I mean, as soon as Bryce Dallas Howard got back and, you know, she probably started telling people that there was this strange, you know, banshee on the moors type thing. And they're <laughs> like, hmm, that sounds interesting. Uh, but I don't know. They did a really good job of fear-mongering with the the people there because those two guys they sent i think that their village is so entrenched in their thoughts that they, they wouldn't even believe the truth Ooh. you know i think bryce dallas Howard's just one of the smart ones and the other ones just might be oh, i don't need to wear a mask i'll be fine oh that vaccine is the, the devil's serum i don't need that and so uh i think it's i think it's a 50 50 chance that it either stays the same or within a week is you know rated
0: you see, for me, I was like looking at the practical side of it because they're like, like their buildings are start falling apart. They've got um like candles and shit light up all their houses. Like, how much supplies do they really have? You know, like they're gonna have to get to a point where somebody's going in and out and bringing supplies back. And as well, like the breeding stock, you know, of this population. Like, how quickly are they going to be inbred? Yeah, no shit. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, even like the, the meat supply, I, I mean, I understand there's an expression like, you know, fucking like rabbits for a reason. But at the same time, <laughs> you, how, how many pigs are there? They sacrifice whole pigs at a time. Yeah. I, I don't understand what the,
0: how the, the, the rations work. There. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh,
2: Julio, over to you. Uh, so my first question is, uh, first we had Kate Hudson in Almost Famous. Then we had Bryce Dallas Howard in The Village how would you complete the trilogy of actresses turning a fantastic performance early in their careers then being underutilized in Hollywood?
1: So, and this is completely genuine, uh, as I've stated many, many times, uh, the difference with this answer is it's almost entirely her fault, not Hollywood. And that is Catherine Heigl after her performance in Knocked Up. Yeah. I thought Katherine Heigl was just fantastic in that movie. And In a situation where she was set up to be overshadowed because that entire movie, more so than almost anything Judd Apatow ever made, was the Apatow crew. She was the one outlier in that. And then she was like the best performance in it. Mm. Um, So that's one that always comes to mind. But like I said, she's supposed to be just an insufferable twat. So I, I, I think that's pretty much on her as much as anybody else but it's she is definitely one that comes to mind when you bring up that Kate Hudson and almost famous and now the Bryce Dallas Howard and the village uh, aspect of man they were great in this mm. and never really rose to that level again
0: uh I'll give the I'll give the least like known and then I'll give the more well-known ones so yeah the less well-known one was Anna Paquin was amazing in a New Zealand film called The Piano but I think the the more famous one is Lindsay Lohan and Mean Girls and then after that just Where's your career, Lindsay? Yeah. You know, like fucking hell. Great and me. I girls. think absolutely shit. Yeah, I mean, Ada
2: Paquin, Ada Paquin's still like, you know, she she has a career. You know, Lindsay Lohan kind of, you know, doesn't anymore. Um,
1: but Lindsay Lohan is a fantastic call because she was poised to be a leading lady in Hollywood yeah. after Mean Girls. Maybe not necessarily in like the Meryl Streep sense, but definitely like the next big rom-com star uh, and that obviously did not pan out
2: all right well number two uh, where would you rank m Knight's cameo among all the m night cameos and why
1: um so we did the signs episode recently julio you and myself on the contrarians and we talked about that is his best cameo uh he's that that is it it's the best use he's ever had of himself in one of his movies Here it's even like heavier handed than um, uh, Sixth Sense where he's like the, the pushy doctor. But this one is if I thought he had a bigger sense or a better sense, excuse me, of humor about himself, I would applaud it because he has that line of just insane dialogue where he says, yeah, and you know, a few years ago they paid us to stop routing flights over this area just so they could like check off that immediate criticism or immediate uh plot hole. And I cannot begin to express how you could hear my eyes rolling at the the reflection of him in the <laughs> medic refrigerator. And, and just him like flipping the newspaper and whatnot. It's one of those things, if I thought this was all to be self parody, I would think it was brilliant. <laughs> Uh, yep. but I'm 99% positive that it's not. And so for that, I got to say, this is in the lower tier. He needs to stick to what he did in signs and just kind of be the, the, almost the bad guy that brings the good news.
0: I, I just wholeheartedly agree. It's just like, it was like he got to the end of the film and he was like, okay, what are some plot holes going to be in this? Cool. I'll put myself in there. I'll explain everything. <laughs> some people can't call me out on my shit. And then, like, people really want to see me in my films. People go crazy for this. So what I'll do is I'll just have a, you know, the window in the fucking case just slyly come out and then it reveals me. And then people will be like, oh, my God, what a twist, you know? Like, <laughs> fucking terrible. And, like, hold on, my answer when I wrote this down, I was just like, this is like asking me what my favourite smelling dump I've ever taken is out of all the dumps I've ever taken in my entire life. <laughs> Because he's never been good for me. He's never been good at science, Yeah, probably. So, yeah, check it anyway. As far as, as, far as I, I go, like they're all the same, basically. So, yeah.
2: I think there are worse ones uh, because at this, as bad as it was, is just, I don't know, five minutes stops, maybe even less. And whereas like Lady in the Water, oh, he, yeah. he plays a character. So, and, you know, maybe that one doesn't qualify as a Shyamalan cameo. That's a Shyamalan part. Uh, but, but this is really bad, and I think that it's a combination of uh, plugging up potential plot holes. It's just exposition uh, deliver, delivered delivered uh, artlessly, and then it's just clunky. the 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 newspaper that he's reading, I don't know if you guys notice, but it's just it's all bad headlines. Like, yeah. Headlines of bad yeah. things happening yeah. to people. It's like we get it. The outside world is so bad that William Hurt and his people retreated from it. But it's like we we didn't need it. You know, we didn't need that. It's just bad on every level. So it's definitely among the worst. Low tier Shyamalan cameos, which is most of them.
0: Like like similar to you, Alex, cringed my fucking face off to the point that Stacy was like, are you <laughs> having a stroke? And I was like, I fucking think I am.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, it would be bad even if you didn't know that that's him. Yeah. You'd be like, why did they cast this guy that's clearly not as good an actor as everybody else? Yeah. Well, why the did Exposition they give him these lines? This, yeah. And finally, my number three. Uh, why do you think the elders decided to use old timey speech in their new setup? Were they all Renaissance Festivals enthusiasts? Or was that or was that a specific William Hurt Kink?
1: So I honestly think it was just a lapse in judgment by Shyamalan that, you know, turned out to work in his favor. I think it was, you know, one of those uh blessed mistakes. Happy accident. Because like yeah. I yeah, happy accident, that's the phrase I was yeah. looking for. Because like I said earlier, it works out for him in the better because he's not very good at writing dialogue and he's not good at making people sound talk like people talk. And because of that, he's really good at making people sound like, you know, they don't talk like they talk. And in this it's, uh, obviously he has things to play off of. He has, you know, old literature and, you know, period pieces and things like that. And like, Oh, well they use these words. And so I think it was just a lapse in judgment, uh, either that or, The idea is the characters here, the the people that created Covington, they did seem like really dickhead pretentious types. Yeah, (laughs) and so I think they wanted to adopt a language for a bygone era from when it used to be better type thing. You know, people get like people think I'm a dick when I call movies film, and so I think it's just like that, but turned up to twenty. It's these people of, you know, oh well, we gotta adopt. The, the ye olde speak
0: of when a man was a man and a woman was a woman type thing. So fucking like the, um, the, yeah, my answer like, that I actually had written down was like, I reckon the therapist got them together and was just like, okay, like, you guys have been for a massive traumatic event. Something that's really good is to pretend that you're somebody else. So they've got this thing called LARP. So I want you guys to go out, do some LARPing. And it's just a game of LARP that's got out of hand, you know? That just, <laughs> <laughs> just never came back. Yeah. Anywho, that moves us down to our final question. Also a Patreon question, but we'll give reasons for that after we answer this question. And the question is, uh, what is your most controversial opinion about this film? Julio, where do you go? Where do you go? See what you got.
2: All right, so this is probably not going to come as a surprise after, you know, 19 questions of me being mostly positive about this movie, other than when we talk about the ending. So I'm going to say that now my opinion is cemented. Uh, Whereas before I would have told you, hey, I like The Village but I understand people that don't. I mean, I still understand people that don't, but where I stand is that, to me, The Village is head and shoulders over everything that's come later. And I know a lot of people hail uh, Split as kind of a return to form and a really good movie. I'm not there. I think Split is better than some of the movies surrounding it, but it doesn't touch what Shyamalan was doing in his first four movies, and that includes The Village. I don't think The Village is as good as the previous three, but it's definitely better... Much better than everything he's done since.
0: Split was like um, if somebody hits you in the face of a brick repetitively and then they smack you in the face of a feather, that's kind of, you're kind of like, that wasn't so <laughs> bad, you know? Hey, we're improving. It, it's getting better. So, yeah, you know, I think Split was a great James McAvoy performance, whether it was a good film yes. or not. Nah,
1: yeah. So my controversial opinion about this movie, and this is going off of the past, you know, 17 years of people shitting on it, is that it's good that's my controversial opinion (laughs) fair enough the first half hour like i said is not what i would necessarily call an artistic success but man when it finds its stride it strides and uh it's not the sixth sense
0: it's not signs but it's good uh the one for me joaquin phoenix should have died that would have been a way better ending (laughs) we should have seen her come back with the medicine and just discover her entire life has been a lie and the person that she was doing this for is dead. You know, that would have been, that would have been the same. I still don't believe he lived, to be honest. You know, like, like we mentioned, Brody goes to town on him. Brody goes to fucking town on him. And yeah. And what is antibiotics going to do? You know, we don't have a surgeon there repairing his insides. We're just like, here, take some fucking magical antibiotics and he'll be sweet. You know, I, yeah.
2: I don't think Shyamalan as a filmmaker, this is not like a criticism. It's just like, I guess, an observation of him as a filmmaker. I don't think he has it in him. To be that nihilistic <laughs> with an ending, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, he, yeah. Because it, if you kill Joaquin Phoenix, it's almost like what was the point of all this? <laughs> I don't even know what the movie would be saying if you kill Hawking Phoenix at the end. It would it would fuck you up. It would definitely leave you thinking about that rather than all the contrivances of the ending. But I I don't see Shyamalan. Do
0: that. It could have been a way better film in that He could have self-parodied himself by putting him in there for the exposition. But he would have also been sort of like fumming his nose at pretentious people that are like, oh, you know, society would be way better if we didn't have X, Y, and Z. He could have been like, nah, look, bad shit fucking happens to you no matter where you go. So <laughs> fucking get over it. Yeah. <laughs> pretentious wankers. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that takes us down to the end. And the reason why we finished on this one is because this is a question of our man here, Julio, of the Contrarians. Uh, so I'll let you guys do a little bit of a spiel about your guys' amazing podcast. And uh, yeah, then we'll wrap it up. Take it away, Alex. Julio and myself comprise the contrarians. We rage against the Rotten
1: Tomatoes machine, as we say. Uh, Our podcast, we find movies on Rotten Tomatoes that are highly rated, you know, those certified fresh gimmicks, and then uh, make a case for uh, maybe why they're a bit overrated or things that critics overlooked, and then uh, conversely, we'll find those rotten, those green splotches, that delicious IP that they have on Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, make a case for, you know, the, the film's positive merit, and that always comprises the first portion of our podcast. Uh, we call it Contrarian's Corner, our battle cry, and our never-ending quest to show that you can be as over the moon about something as you want to be, or you can bury something regardless of how good it is. But we had to Julio and I had to find ways to talk shit about The Master this week, which was a very daunting task. Um, <laughs> but we always take it to the second half called Real Talk, uh, aptly titled Real Talk, as Julio says, and that's where we discuss how we really feel about these movies, do a bit of research into them. Uh, find reviews be it you know contemporary or uh recent and yeah we just deep dive these films julio where can they find us
2: you know podcatchers that's that's a, a cover all if you wherever you're listening to movie reviews in 20qs you can probably find us just look up the contrarians if you like to check out our website we're on a wearethecontrarians.com and you can you know we're on instagram we're on twitter at contrarian prime um facebook also at contrarian prime facebook.com facebook.com slash contrarian prime we're, we're pretty much everywhere you find sam and his and his team <laughs> that's also where you can find us and honestly if you liked talking to or hearing us talk about uh, uh this movie really we we went deep on four Shyamalan movies and uh, yeah. we had a blast like i referenced at the beginning uh, we talked about signs uh the sixth sense after Earth and uh last airbender Oh um, you probably as you hear us go down those lists you know which were rotten and which were fresh. And it was it was a good time. It's it, it definitely gave us a a better understanding of him as a filmmaker. And so thank you Sam for giving us this opportunity to just add one more to, <laughs> to that. Give us a chance to have an epilogue to our Shamal anthology, so to speak.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um yeah listen to those episodes fucking awesome. Um yeah, uh, if people want to hear me on your guys' show, we did an awesome episode on Howard the Duck. That was that was an experience. Yes, <laughs> that was an experience. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that uh, takes us down to the end. If you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on email at mritqs at gmail.com. Alternatively, just uh, find us on Facebook and Instagram at I movie mean, reviews and twenty Qs. Upcoming episodes. Good question. Uh, James Bond was going to get done, uh, but we also we also crossed a um, major milestone recently. We did five years of being a podcast so me and stacy to celebrate are gonna go back because we we started off with the 2016 ghostbusters film we're actually gonna go back and do the original guys we're actually gonna go back and do the original ghostbusters and it's just gonna be me and stacy and um our dear mate spanky who now lives in solomon islands is gonna record a compliment sandwich and send it to us but uh yeah anyway that's uh that's thanks for me and goodbye and thank you and a thank you for me alex from the contrarians
2: <laughs> so formal